Pastors Larry and Tiz welcome you to another New Beginnings Church podcast. Go deeper into God's Word with practical messages and lifestyle studies that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Get ready to be fit for life. Well, good morning and welcome to our class, um, Fit for Life. My name is Pastor Nancy Cole, and I have the pleasure this morning to introduce a brand new teacher. As we move through the congregation, we hunt for people who have um, um, a call on their life, that have a message to share, and it's always exciting. You've heard Mitch Ford preach uh, here in this class, and you've enjoyed everything that he's done. So, Tracy, come on up. Tracy Duncan has been um, volunteering here and uh, showing up for everything for a long, long time. And I ran into her at a Jewish breakfast. And it's like, okay, this girl knows who we are and what we're about. And um, so we've kind of been linking arms ever since. So put your hands together and welcome Tracy Duncan. Thank you very much. Well, I am used to being behind the scenes. So... um, Forgive me if I'm a little nervous. So um, today, <laughs> today um, we are going to study about becoming a vessel of honor. And if you want to turn into your Bibles to 2 Timothy 2, 20, we're going to read 20 through 26. Good morning. 2 Timothy 2, 20 through 26 says, In a large house there are articles, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish or stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. When we look at scripture, we see many vessels that God used for special purposes. We have the likes of Abraham and Moses, Ruth, Hannah, David, the disciples, and Paul. Yes, God divinely chose them for special ministry, but they also made decisions that enabled them to be special vessels. They made the decision. Our focus, the verse that we're going to focus on is uh, verse 21. If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Out of all of these verses um, that explain about becoming honorable, this verse summarizes it best. Paul tells us that if we desire to serve God, our church and leaders exceptionally, 
We must cleanse ourselves from everything that is dishonorable in, in our lives. It is then and only then that we will be honorable vessels, set apart and holy, ready and, and useful to fulfill God's call that's on our lives. There is no shortcuts or exceptions to this principle. Holiness still matters. Amen? Amen. I have seen too many people try to bypass this principle. And just start serving while neglecting the first principle of being a vessel of honor. It grieves my heart because many of them did not endure to the end. Throughout my years of ministry, I have seen Bible students, interns, um, young pastors, and old pastors, and evangelists that served in churches and on the mission fields. Many had callings on their lives. They read through the Bible. They gathered at every, every time the door opened, they gathered at multiple weekly prayer sessions and participated in gospel crusades. The heartbreaking reality is that today many of them are not serving in the ministry. What are the qualities of the people God uses greatly? Paul challenges Timothy and us, too, to be someone God can use for special and noble purposes— In our text, we learn five qualities of people greatly used by God. Paul uses the illustration of a master uh, with, with a great household. And in this household, there are many vessels for special purposes and common ones. There are also servants. However, not every vessel and servants have the same usefulness. Again, verse 21, Paul says, So if anyone cleanses himself of such behavior, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. There are various aspects to our usefulness, including God's sovereign choice. Romans 9, 20, and 21 describes how God is the potter. And he makes one vessel for special purposes and another for common purposes, simply out of his sovereign choice, based on no merit of of the person. But in our text today, the opportunity to be used or not to be used is based on our actions. We We can all be used by God. Amen? Amen? However, the extent of being used is up to us. So number one, we must purge ourselves. The word purge means to cleanse completely. We must get rid of all sin in our lives. Does God use a dirty vessel? Yes, he can. He can use anything. He used a donkey with Balaam. (laughs) He can use anything. But he uses a clean vessel in a greater way. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Sin will destroy our walk with God. People who desire to live in a close relationship, fellowship with the Lord, and see him face to face must turn away from self-seeking and unholy interest. They must seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Believers are called to be like God in his holiness. Ask God today to help you clean out all sin in your life. Allow the Holy Spirit to to search with his floodlight 
on your life. And it's very simple. Just confess the sin and be clean. The first mark of of spiritual holiness is that we embrace our transformation. What is a vessel after all? A vessel is best used when emptied and then filled. All are born incapable of, of achieving righteousness by their own strength. Any chance we have, then, of being counted righteous before God is, is to be completely emptied of ourselves. And in the new birth, through salvation, being transformed into a new life, a life filled with the Spirit, that's in Ephesians 5.18. Only the power and the grace of Jesus Christ can accomplish this feat for us. And when he does, he fills us. He fills his people with his spirit for honorable use. Whether being filled to the brim or down to the last drip. <laughs> um, God is filling his people with his spirit for his use and for his glory. The end result of this is his people embracing true transformation. Okay, number two, we must be sanctified. The word sanctified means to be set apart. This involves two things, set apart from sin and set apart for God. The vessel of honor understands that they are to crucify sin and self, die to self. And that's hard. (laughs) We all know that. Sin should not dominate a believer's life. A believer should be set apart for God's exclusive use. One of the main differences between a gold or a silver vessel, as opposed to wood or clay vessel, is the physical appearance of the vessel. A vessel of gold shines. It illuminates when light is shined on it. And it is more eye-catching than the other elements. Similarity, we must also reflect the king to an unseen world. Scripture shows the importance of being set apart. Christians must elevate themselves and ask, am I living a life that walks the walk and talks the talk? We don't ask out of arrogance or competition, but rather to determine what our life is reflecting to a lost world. When the light shines on us, do we reflect it back as gold or silver? Or do we, like wood and clay, look dull, dark, and unfazed by the light? To live in holiness is to live a life of nonconformity. Putting on the new self, walking in wisdom, for we are his workmanship. Those that are holy are the ones that God uses for extraordinary purposes. Those that are holy are the ones that God uses and, he, and that have been set apart from worldliness and sin, consecrated and dedicated for his holy works. When one is set apart, there is a visible difference. Amen? There have been several times when I've had someone in the world, they'll come up to me and just say, there's just something different about you. And that is an opportunity to let your light shine and say, you know what, it's Jesus. 
<laughs> and you can have that light too. They are, not imp- they are not one that is influenced by culture. Rather, they influence culture. Like a light in the darkness, in his presence, the presence in their life that separates them. When God's presence is in you, his extraordinary ability is functioning in you. This is why the enemy has done everything in his power to get the church away from holiness. The Apostle Peter instructed believers to live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God, just as God who chose you is holy, for the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Without a lifelong endeavor towards personal holiness, no one will see the Lord. God must discipline willfully disobedient children who live to please themselves. Throughout scripture, God appeals to his people to work at cultivating holiness. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. That's in First Thessalonians 4, 7, and 8. The declaration without holiness, no one will see the Lord, reflects a sense of the author's anticipation of seeing Christ at his return. This is the culminating point of a broader passage in Hebrews, in Hebrews 12. If our ultimate goal is to be like Christ and to see him when he returns, our practical daily pursuit must be towards complete purity of of thought and lifestyle. Number three, we must be meet for the master's use. The Lord wants his vessels to be available, open, submissive, and yielded to his will. Our master is the Lord. Lordship means he is control of every area of our lives. God wants to use every believer, every one of us, he wants to use us. And I know in here, he's using us all. (laughs) He is looking for obedience, not talent. And I praise God for that. (laughs) We see that many times in God's word in the lives of people like Peter and Paul and Gideon, and Joshua. A third distinctive mark of our holiness is when we serve a purpose for the kingdom of God. How many of you have ever taken a cruise? <laughs> Was the buffet an endless sea of goodness? <laughs> Has anyone ever been on a battleship? We have one. I recently heard this illustration on how we must approach our duty as the church like a battleship, not a cruise ship. Cruise ships are consumer-driven. People eat at will. They soak up the sun. The goal is to have the best time ever. No one is there to be working or sacrificing. But the battleship, everyone works. Everyone has a purpose and a desire to be useful because there is a fight to be fought. People don't go to a battleship to be served. They go to be useful. We cannot cannot approach God and his word 
and his church as an opportunity to merely just sit and be filled, but as an opportunity to be useful. Christians must accept the call and put their hands to work for the Lord's kingdom. Number four, we must be prepared for every good work. A vessel of honor is yielded and ready to serve at a moment's notice. Paul told Timothy, he's telling Timothy a lot here, but in 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, be instant in season and out. Serve when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. And you know you have a call when you serve with a smile when it's inconvenient. (laughs) There is a level of desire and preparation that we should have in wanting to be a vessel of honor. I'm not suggesting that preparedness affects God's control in the situation or the opinion of us, because he loves us no matter what. I think what Paul is saying is do not tarry, be on guard. When preparing to become vessels of honor, our battle sword doesn't need to be sharpened because it already is. (laughs) There is no need for rummaging around for our armor because we're already wearing it. Amen? Amen. I think Pastor Nancy taught on the armor of God a month ago. Ephesians 6, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, stand. The Lord called you to live for him by faith and to battle sin in yourself and in the world. Military leaders know that they cannot go into battle without first knowing who their enemy is, and neither should you. Preparation for battle includes knowing the mission and knowing your adversary, the devil. God is truth. But Satan is a liar who disguises himself as an angel of light to deceive people in doing his will. Only the Holy Spirit and the Word of God prepare you with the discernment you need to see through the schemes of the evil one. We must be alert. We must be alert and engaged in the spiritual battle every day. So pray for the opportunities to be used of the master. And number five, guard your heart. We guard our homes with security cameras. We lock our doors, our cars, our valuables so they won't get stolen. We secure our money by putting it in the banks with vaults and security guards. But God says, above all else, we are to guard our hearts. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Another translation says, for out of the heart flows the issues of life. How much more valuable is your heart than your house or your home or your valuables or your car? Your heart is the command center of your life and determines your course. The Hebrew word for heart is leb, heart, the seed of appetites, 
the seat of your emotions, and the seat of passion. It is in the heart where affections are stored. That is why it needs to be so guarded. The devil is always vying for our affections and the things that we are most passionate about. When we start loving the things of this world more than the things of God, the love of, the, the love of God can grow cold in us. That flame of God slowly dies out, subtle deceit. If you want a strong relationship with the Lord, which I believe we all do, protect your relationship with him. Don't participate in anything that grieves the Holy Spirit. If you cultivate an atmosphere that honors him, you will have a strong relationship with with him, and he will honor you with his presence. 1 Samuel 2.30 says, I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. That's Ephesians 5, 10, and 11. As sons and daughters of the kingdom, it is our responsibility to carefully determine what pleases the Lord. If it is not clean by biblical standards, don't participate in it. Get it out. <laughs> Let Philippians 4, 8 be our guide. And it says, I mean, we know this verse, Pastor Nancy said this verse on Thursday at the ladies' night. Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever things are right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. These are the things we are to fix our thoughts on. Grieving the Holy Spirit and violating our conscience is not worth the things of this world. 1 Peter 1.15 says, You must be holy because I am holy. And if you notice, that wasn't a suggestion. <laughs> it's a command. You must be holy. We can never handle sin or control its effects that it has on our spirit. I can't drink poison and have it not affect me. Therefore, how much more should we guard our spirit over our physical body? Guard your heart, beloved. Guard your heart. When we desire worldliness, we become worldly. When we desire holiness, we become holy. To put it simply, whatever we behold, we become You are a precious vessel of the Lord, and he loves each and every one of you, and he has put giftings and callings upon each and every one of you. Be someone that God can use for for special and noble purposes. I will conclude with the lyrics of this song, one of my favorite songs, and the title is, Lord, I'm Available to You. And the lyrics go like this. You gave me my hands to reach out to men, to show him your love and your perfect plan. You gave me my ears. I can hear your voice so clear. I can hear the cries of sinners. But can I wipe away their tears? You gave me my voice to sing your word, to sing all your praises to those who've never heard. But with my eyes, I see your need for more availability. I see hearts 
that have been broken so many people to be free. Lord, I'm available to you. My will I give to you. I'll do what you say do. Use me, Lord, to show someone the way and enable me to say, my storage is empty and I'm available to you. Make this your prayer. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would do a work of holiness in our hearts. We want to live pure like Jesus lived. Purify and refine us, O God. Expose any worldly passions and desires that are in our heart and help us to see the things that are displeasing to you so that we can nail those passions and desires to the cross. Let us receive your grace to walk in purity and in holiness so that we can shine brightly with the love of Jesus in our hearts. Vessels of honor, ready and willing and able to be used by you. In Jesus' name, amen. And I declare and decree every seed the enemy has sown in your heart to have a crop failure in the name of Jesus. And I declare that the word of God sown in your heart will bring forth a harvest a victory in the name of Jesus. I decree the strength, that your strength is increasing with every swing of the sword of the Spirit. And I declare, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Tracy. We made a good choice, didn't we? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I've always understood the difference between the gold and the silver, but as Tracy was teaching, it was like, oh, yeah, there's the clay and then there's the wood. So as we depart today, I, I took notes, by the way. Um, let's all remember that, that we need to be reflective in today's world, as crazy as it is, so that others see something different in us and will ask. We don't have to go with a, a bullhorn on the street corner and, and say you're going to go to hell if you don't accept Jesus. That is the truth, but the methodology doesn't necessarily work everywhere. But when we do what Tracy has taught here and have the love of God inside of us, we go through life differently. Even in the valleys, we go through life differently. Then we will have a testimony, and then we are serving our God. Thank you, Tracy. God bless. We'll see you next Sunday. Bye now.